You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's one month into the NHL season, and we're already waiting for the sweet release that comes in April. Lots to talk about on a rare Saturday edition of The Bannerman. How are you today, Vardy? I'm good, buddy. Thank you. We're having a nice uh, Saturday matinee episode, which... Hopefully is better than most of the Kings Saturday matinee episodes end up being. Or any of their games. Really? I mean, it doesn't matter what time they play these days. The result is uh, very, very similar. It's bad times right now <laughs> in Kingsland. We are sitting on four consecutive losses. And I remember Vardy, after last episode, we were like, we talked off podcast and we talked about... Hey, you know, if they keep going back and forth, back and forth, if they're hovering 500. And I remember I told you, not that I'm a prophet, but I told you, because <laughs> our concern was, what about our, you know, lottery pick? Because <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's the plan, right? Right. And I remember I told you a five-game losing streak is just around the corner. <laughs> and here we are. Game number One game five away. is tonight. One game away. Uh, when this releases, the game should be going on. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're... Back to the future in this one. But I predict five straight losses tonight, Vardy. Uh, they have – I think they have Chicago tonight, don't they? I, they do. I'm they not do. looking closely at the schedule. But, yes, the Blackhawks tonight at home. So it's a great opportunity to not have five straight losses. But we all know how bad things are going in Kingsland. Vardy, from your perspective, how bad are things going right now? Um, on like a scale of one to ten, and like objectively, how bad the team is, or like how bad do I find this? I would to like me? an all-encompassing answer. Okay, one being worst thing possible, ten being the best case scenario. I'm in a I'm in a solid four or five territory wow. right now. I didn't expect that, yeah. but I think I yeah. know why. Go ahead. Yeah, because there's there's some positives, not directly related to the Kings per se, but just, again, I think it's all about expectations. I think we talked about this before, and I'm sure everyone has. Like, if you come into the season expecting to be terrible and the Kings surprise you and they're okay-ish, you're happy. But then if they're terrible, you're just like, yeah, I was okay with this. I would be more disappointed, honestly, if Ontario was doing terribly, and that's not happening. That is Ontario is doing really, really well. Not happening. And, yeah, and so it's making that's making me happy. It's it's booing my excitement, if you will, for the future of the big club. But the yeah, present, I get it. It's the shit times right now, buddy. It's it's the deep, deep shit times. <laughs> it is. Uh, how quick we went from the the glory days to <laughs> of October. <laughs> I'm just talking about in general, you know, in general, uh, outhouse to the penthouse and then penthouse to the outhouse in record time, I would say, for for this franchise. Um, We talked about the rain. The rain's a squad right now, baby. That's I'm just saying, like, that's that's the home team right now. And I think if everyone just quietly accepted that. You would have a much happier season. Last I checked, Vardy, they were 6-1-1. One, one. I'm not sure how they've done since. I think they lost in OT last night. So I think they're 6-1-2, but don't quote me on that per se. Still good. 
to even be six one and one at some point is impressive, I think. And they're doing it with a nice mix of young guys. They're doing it with a couple more veteranish guys that uh, we'd be familiar with, like Mario Kempe, um, uh, Brent Sutter, um, Martin Furk is down there. And yes, they seem to be having yes. a grand old time. Every every highlight I see, every little <laughs> you know game snippet I see, like you said, they look like the whole squad's together, buddy. They got squad goals right now, and they are kicking it. Yeah, they are currently sitting second in the Pacific Division, only because the Stockton Heat are seven and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the Rain are six one and two, one point behind for the division lead, and about three points or four points behind for the overall league lead, which belongs to the providence bruins who are eight and one or sorry the hartford wolfpack who are eight and one so a whole lot of ahl stats being thrown at you this is a new <laughs> one for us but this is where we're at because the big you squad, have to be you have to be you have to have a big picture the big squad is in ruins ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it is not looking good we knew it would be bad but some of this is just really just tough to watch the first few games we were like hey the efforts there you know, maybe they'll be competitive in some games. And I don't think the efforts waned or, like, I don't think they're not trying. I just think you're looking at a hockey club, veterans included, that are fully aware of how bad they are as a team. And that they are going through some growing pains, new system on top of it. Essentially a brand new defense of, of inexperienced, you know, pros it's just you could tell that they are not good enough. And no matter what they do, it's not going to be enough this season. That's that's my feeling. Can they, like, turn it around and have a 10-game stretch where they're playing well? Probably. But savor that flavor because it's, it's not going to happen too often. It's not going to happen too many times. Uh, and I guess all in all, it's all going to plan according to plan because this was – kind of where management foresaw the season going. It's still early, but I think this is kind of what they thought would happen. Mm-hmm. They tried their best to design to happen. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I think when the season started, um, the new offensive system, certainly um, revitalizing, if you will, guys like Kopitar Brown, they were putting a lot of shots on net. We, you know, we were commenting how through the first eight or nine games, like they were out shooting every single one of their opponents, win or lose and getting some decent chances while that was happening. But they were just kind of losing because of, you know, the defense really. And then the goaltending was not where it needed to be. And it's still not where it needs to be. But even that I feel like has, has kind of tapered off a little bit. Um, we had lost to Vancouver earlier in the year, and at that time, I don't think everyone really appreciated maybe how good a team Vancouver is actually shaking out to be. But this last loss to them, the last game we played, I mean, they completely played us out of the building. Not to say they didn't do that the first time as well, because we lost 8-2 to two the first time, but Great. I just felt like we had nothing this game this most recent game. And this is a game where Jeff Carter actually got two goals, one of them in garbage time, mind you, but I can't even really take a positive from that because it just seemed random that he got the two goals. I mean, the first one was awesome. It was early on in the first Kopitar and Carter now on a line together with uh, Grundstrom 
on their left wing, fresh off of an AHL assignment where he littered up with eight points in six games, I believe. And I thought, here we go. Maybe we got a little something here, maybe a little jump. And it just quickly took a turn. It just nothing else was working. None of the other lines. I mean, there were so many pucks and skates. It was frustrating to watch. It was I can't imagine how frustrating it would have been to play. Not to mention the fact that the penalty kill. Good lord, the penalty kill. It has just been atrocious for the last four or five games. And I think we were over four or over three on the penalty kill against Vancouver. It just nothing was clicking in on the defensive side of the puck at all. Right. And I am shocked to tell you that the Los Angeles Kings are ranked 30th in PK and not 31st. Right. Because it's almost Ottawa, is it? It's Winnipeg, <laughs> actually. Winnipeg. That's um, right. Ottawa has a worse power play than us. Yeah, it's it's almost impressive how bad the penalty kill is to the point where sometimes we joke that it's oh Kings PK, here comes a goal. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke but it's anymore. True. Kings it's PK, not. here it's comes really a goal. Not. Yeah, especially in that Vancouver game, they shredded that penalty kill. Dude, going cross ice, just having a jolly good time in the Kings end. Like the PK is something that if you're hovering in the 60s, man, come on now, you could you got to change something, right? Dumb like you luck gotta, should give you 70 percent. Totally, in the totally. NHL. So yeah, something's got to change there. I don't know if it's personnel or structure. Probably both. I mean, I don't know. Um, well, they keep. I mean, they've they've pretty much from the beginning of the season they've been trying to do this kind of a, a sweeper system, if you will, where one of the two guys at the top of the box is actually more, you know, sweeping around, going up and down, and then the other dude is supposed to kind of play off of him and cover the back pass. But it's just not working. I mean, I, 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 and McClellan's comments on this in the past have been like, it's it's nothing wrong with the strategy, it's execution. And we're going to keep working at it until we get it right. But honestly, I'm not so sure it's a great strategy. I'm really not because these are like experienced penalty killers and they're having a tough time filling in the gaps from one another. It's really confusing sometimes to figure out like when the puck moves from one end of the ice to the other end of the ice, who's supposed to take over the sweeping responsibilities and who's supposed to be the guy who's just covering the passing lanes. And so it's those moments. If you watch as the puck moves from one side to the other, the two guys at the top of the box are very confused as to who's supposed to forecheck and who's supposed to stand in place. And in that split second of hesitation, the offensive system for the other team completely clicks and and they get good chances yeah i mean you can't be there's just tried and true you can't be running around on the pk because an nhl team not the canucks any nhl team will just one touch the puck all over the ice and make you look exactly and that's that's pretty much what i've been seeing happen like jonathan quick has been floating in his crease a lot but a lot of that is due to just solid puck movement from the opposition it's not so much that he's out of position although he has been on a couple of occasions so i'm not Mm -hmm. letting him off the hook or anything but yeah i mean that's what it is and on the other end of the ice the power play which is also not good Mm -hmm. currently let's see where are we ranked on the power play these days um 28th or something like that i just looked at it the other day that is correct i think 28th clicking at a 10 something percent maybe a little over 9.8 i gave him too much credit oh good lord it's not great it's not great and again i'm not sure 
what the approach is. Sometimes I look and I'm I'm like, is it to set up Kovalchuk? Is it to try to get low chances? I don't know. I don't know either, but I, they're playing the one three one, which can is like the diamond plus one, mm-hmm. essentially set up, um, and and it always it always moves around and it starts looking like the old umbrella. Right. Uh, but the but the one three one, the one thing I would like to see changed, and this is just a personal thing. Like Kopitar has been on that half wall position for his entire career. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind if he was low, below the dots. For mm-hmm. once, maybe below the goal line on that one three one when it goes half sure. wall, you have to have the option below the goal line, and then when it goes to the top, the guy at the goal line goes in front of the net to mm-hmm. be that double screen. I would love to see what he does when he's down there below the goal line and has four options. He's a good passer, man, and this half wall right. stuff. He's not. He doesn't shoot like he does, but it's right. never. You're never <laughs> like okay, here it comes. Here comes that copy wrist shot. Coming yeah. off the half wall and he's going to score, so I I would like to see that as a fan, as in from a point of entertainment more than anything. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to tell an NHL coach, not that he would even listen or hear me, <laughs> but you know, you should be doing this because obviously he knows better. But it would just why not different looks? I just try but, something with him. But do you also think that some of that is on him as well? Because you could always set up the one three one, and if he's got it on the half wall and he carries it down below the goal line, the other guys will adjust. The other guys shift, will be right? yeah, exactly. And I agree with you. The advantage of that is that if you're below the goal line, all the defenders are looking at you. You know what I mean? They can't necessarily use their peripheral. Everyone is looking. All the offense and the defense is looking at you, and peripheral vision is very difficult to kind of pick out the guys that you could potentially pass to. So you could have someone cutting into the slot a little faster before the defender has a chance to pick him up and Kopi's in the right position to give them the pass coming from behind the net. I think that's a little harder to do from the half wall because guys can just kind of sweep their sticks around, you know, or keep a person out of the corner of their eye. And that's, that's the one advantage I feel like whenever, you know, if you're behind the net is you see the action and the action's coming at you. If you're at the half wall, I don't think, you're the you're the focal point nearly as much. People can cover more ice that way, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, and and on those setups, like the half wall guys viewed as like the quarterback kind of yeah. guy. But and you could argue that if you take Kopi away, who could do that? And that's no a one. good argument. No one else could really play. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I don't think anyone can play the half wall like that, especially when our our setup is on the right side of the ice on a left-handed shot. So you'd have to mm-hmm. shift the whole thing to the other side because the only other guy who I think could be dangerous there is Carter. Maybe. Right. But I think they're also trying to employ him a little more so either in the slot or he's, down low yeah, on he's the probably opposite the plus, side. He's probably the plus one he's guy the plus in the one. Side, so yeah, that's, absolutely. That's fine. Anyway, uh, you were talking about shooting. King's currently leading the league in shots per game average. 36.2 first. Great. Shooting percentage. You want to take a wild guess at where that's at? 7%? I don't know. 7.2 dead last in the NHL. There you go. So That's that's almost impossibly difficult <laughs> to do that because if you look at like team averages, everyone roughly averages out to like 10% across the course of a season, I think. Which they might, but they would have to kind of get hot. But the discrepancy is what's fascinating, and by fascinating, I mean alarming, and by alarming, mm-hmm. I mean makes me nauseous. <laughs> Thirty. If you're if you're leading the league in shot on goal average per game, 
and you're dead last in shooting percentage, the record starts making sense mm-hmm. a little bit. And they're not necessarily like the no. shots we were kind of used to before, where it was just it's not that Terry Murray. That. Yeah, exactly. it's not that Terry exactly. Murray hockey going on. They're they're yeah. actually fun, they're funneling the puck towards the mm-hmm. net and getting and getting better chances all across the board. But still, I don't think the high danger chances need to really really improve. Twenty uh, seventh on the power play, goals allowed. 31st, a.k.a. highest number in the league, 4.15. Like we said, penalty kill is 30th. So it's not a good look for the team right now. Many, many a trade rumor floating around. Carter, Quick, and namely Tyler Toffoli, uh, due to his recent scratching by Todd McClellan. And we'll get into that right now. Had it, you know... Am I surprised? No, because I feel like we haven't seen that one Tyler Toffoli from that one season since that one season. And Mm -hmm. you could tell in his body language and his play, I don't think he doesn't care or anything like that. That would be a bold statement. I just think he's not feeling it (laughs) right now or for the past few seasons. And I think a change of scenery, it might be something even he is looking forward yeah. to should it happen. Yeah, I think he's uh I think he's playing very very replaceable hockey right now. I think he's playing the kind of hockey that they maybe felt Tanner Pearson was playing just before they shipped him off as well. It's just like you can look at the advanced stats and I think I just saw this the other day that if you look at um expected goals for, he's actually up there. He's like a top 10 player based on like where the shots are coming from. But ultimately, at some point, if you're not actually scoring these goals, like he hasn't been for two seasons plus now, does it matter? Do I care if you're constantly expected to score, but you're never actually scoring? You know, that's that's a very, very replaceable and uh, a tradable commodity, I think. Yeah, especially when that's your bread and butter. Like that's right. what... That's what you bring to the table, That's what right? got you drafted. That's what kept you in the league. 24 was 17-18. That was his, I guess, second best season. Uh, yeah, uh, 24 goals, 23 assists, 47. Last year he had 13 and 21. Fine, the whole team was not good. He has three and two. He's probably trending towards similar numbers from last year, but that's the, the problem is that's not good enough for a player right. like him with his skill set. Right. He's a free agent. I think, like we said last, last episode, the writing is kind of on the wall for him. I think he's going to get moved. Another name that came up, and this is from Elliot Friedman doing a radio hit in Edmonton that Trevor Lewis is now, I don't know, officially, as if, you know, I don't know, officially on the trade <laughs> right. block. Right, because teams were anxiously waiting by the phone for that notice. <laughs> All right, guys, Trevor I, Lewis is available now. I will say, I think every most every team will be – interested in him the, the thing, totally the, the but question he's not is like yeah the return is probably not going to be thrilling yeah but if i don't know if you wait for an opportune time maybe you get something something nice certainly i think my feelings on trevor lewis has always been clear i think he's he's a type of player you win with you need mm-hmm. him if you're trying to win he's going to help you win yeah he's never going to hurt you he's never going to be a negative anything on your team. So I, I, I've always admired 
him and his game and, and his work ethic and all that great stuff. So, right. but at this point, it's like, fine. <laughs> you know, I wasn't like, oh no, you know, this player that I really like is on the trade blog. It's just, yeah. it's such a black hole the Kings are in right now right. that really it's hard to be emotional either way about about it. I mean, you kind of almost, you want to trade these guys as almost, almost like a mercy to them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, like just do something else with your career. Give yourself a shot to like maybe find happiness again because <laughs> I can't imagine they're happy. I really can't. I mean, it's nice to have lived in L.A. It's nice to have your family here, those aspects of it. But from a pure hockey playing standpoint, man, it's got to be hard to come to the rink every single day and do this when this is kind of like what's going on and everyone knows this is what's going on. And guys like Trevor Lewis, I mean, you have to ask yourself and, you know, how are they more valuable to you at this point by keeping them or more valuable to you by trading them? And more and more, the value is in trading guys like this. It's not about holding on to them and hoping that you get the rebuild right with the right people in the room three, four years from now. That'll come. And, you know, the Kings have been drafting guys who are good soldiers and, you know, good hockey guys in general. So I, I don't think there's a problem in terms of leadership to the point where you would keep a guy like Trevor Lewis around if someone offers you a third round pick or something like that, you know, same with Toffoli. Like these aren't, these aren't guys that I think you necessarily have to hold on to, to build something. I think they're guys that it's nice to have, like you mentioned, when you're close to winning to kind of round you into form and get you over the hump. Yeah. And that's why I think both players will be sought after. Now, again, the question is, will, the return be to satisfaction to the fan base of the coaching staff of the management, all that stuff, but it's better to losing them than nothing in the off season. Sure. And, uh, that's a reality too. Should they hold on to them? Because I don't, would you resign? <laughs> I mean, if, uh, if, if a team that's on the cusp calls you and be like, Hey, you know, we think you are what we're missing to kind of put us over the top. And, you know, Rob Blake calls you and says, well, you know, this is what we're doing. And, yeah. you know, I don't know, which is fine. That's what he should be saying. But as a player, you're like, yeah, I think maybe my time here is done. Yeah. It's time to move on yeah. to greener pastures. Um, Todd McClellan shredding his team <laughs> in the media, in the post games, absolutely rinsing guys. No Fs given by this man. None. Reckless uh, abandon. To the point where he obviously scratched Tyler Toffoli, as we said. First time in his career breaking a 200-plus game, games played streak, uh, which I didn't even know was active, to tell you the truth. <clears throat> uh, and that's not a knock or anything. I, I just didn't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's quite an accomplishment for him. So, uh, sorry. Sorry, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, circumstances <laughs> and stuff. What do you – this is an interesting kind of conversation for me because a lot of people love McClellan going out and just straight up, you know, dragging the team through mud. Other people are confused by it. I am in the confused category. I mean, I understand it, but at the same time, I don't quite understand what he expects to happen as a reply to him, as a reply to his comments, because... The one comment was like, you know, this road trip, the good thing about this road trip was that we found out that a lot of guys on this team or some guys on this team can't play in the league. Mm -hmm. And and I don't disagree with that comment, but the, my question is, 
so where are the guys that can play in this league? Where right. are they going to come from? What do you you know, I mentioned you don't want to break up the rain. At that time, I think I tweeted, you don't want to break up what the rain are doing because they're absolutely rolling. They were, I think, 6-0 and at that time or 6-1, and mm-hmm. whatever. And sure enough, they, you know, they call up Grundstrom after he was absolutely on fire. But the thing is, even with those guys in the lineup, you're not going to be happy regardless of who you call up, regardless of how much you blow up the rain and bring everyone up and send veterans down and blah, blah, blah. It's still going to be very similar because if effort's not the issue, if it's execution, who's to say that any other player would come in and execute well for you? So I guess my, my major question, my major overall to wrap this up is like, what purpose does this serve? Does this motivate the team? Does this make the team, you know, have this like, team meeting and be like shucks guys todd is right you know we need to go out there and we need to really try hard for our coach it's just not happened it's not going to happen these guys are veterans like the core of this team that's supposed to carry you to any kind of success is not blake lazat and company it's jeff carter and andre kopitar and company so if they're struggling if, if you could tell they're trying and it's not happening i just don't understand what the point of just completely demoralizing your team in public is. Yeah. And the other, you know what it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you remember this, but um, I, I don't know if it was like on epics or whatever, a couple few seasons back when McClellan was still coach of the sharks mm-hmm. and they were doing that, like behind the scenes road to the winter classic or stadium series, whatever they were playing yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were, they had these clips of like him, talking in the locker room and he'd been the Sharks coach at this point, like five, six seasons and, you know, a lot of veteran players at that point, Joe Thornton, Burns, all these guys are still in that room. And I remember you and I watched that and we were struck by how he was still communicating with them. And this almost like, I, I don't know, college <laughs> yeah. hoorah kind of way, you know, like, all right, Bernsey, what are we going to do when we get out there? All right, Joe, what are we going to, you know, it's just like, come on, man, <laughs> you really need to talk. To, and so I think he's just got this like way of communicating where I don't know if he knows how to communicate another way. And the people who are, who are appreciative per se of him coming out and dragging the team are the same people who are just super, super angry and they, and they like it because he expresses that frustration, perhaps almost like an angry Twitter troll, which we, you know, we do that at sometimes too. But I, I, I agree with you. Like, how do you come out and say something like some of these guys can't play in this league and then you scratch Tyler Toffoli. So are you trying to say that like Tyler Toffoli can't play in this league? You know what I mean? Like, is that, is that the through line? Cause the reality is the guys that probably can't play in this league and won't be, won't be playing in this league once all these younger dudes develop are the Matt Roys, the Curtis McDermott's, like the dudes who you're just like plugging holes in right. until until guys fill in. Like that's that's where the problem is, you know? So I, I think it wears thin. I think that kind of communication is good every once in a while if if you really just put up a sloppy, sloppy effort and you're trying to just kind of like – poke everyone and wake them up a little bit. But when you know this is how your season's going to go, when this is pretty much written that this is going to be a losing season, if you do that every single game, every single game, you have this like nonspecific call out or 
you know, burn against your locker room, I don't think you're going to get the type of response you want. I don't think you're going to get anything except a bunch of animosity and guys wanting to get out sooner rather than later. I just hope he has a good read on the team's pulse because you have – if this guy – and again, I'm not saying – you know, I'm not Willie Desjardins him like we did last year. We skewered sure. that guy because we – you know – he said some outlandish things <laughs> in the media and did some really well, and the results weren't there. At least I've seen something. Right. right. And that was a team that was expected to make the playoffs for right. some odd reason. Um, so I understand. I am not judging his actions. I'm just curious about what his end game is with this, because if you are saying, if that message keeps going all season like that, you're going to have to coach some of these guys in the next few seasons. Exactly. And they will, they they ran out a two-time Stanley Cup winning coach out of that locker room. Make no mistake about it. The team ran Daryl Sutter out of that out of that organization, out of those glory days, quote unquote. And maybe it was justified. I don't know. I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it was because Daryl can be heavy-handed as well. Mm-hmm. But your message, a coach's shelf life is short as it is. Your message gets stale over the course of time no one is bulletproof joel quenville's not bulletproof daryl sutter wasn't bulletproof so i hope he has the right read on the room and i hope he knows what he's doing by saying these type of things the scratching of Tofoli is fine you want to send a message like that whatever that message is again i don't know mm-hmm. but that's fine but if you're gonna constantly you know do this thing where he's like no one can pl- these guys can't play we're not good enough they know, especially the veterans. You think they don't know? You think right. Andre Kopitar, Jeff Carter, maybe Drew Doughty doesn't know because he just doesn't know any better. He thinks <laughs> that every team he's on can win because <laughs> God bless that boy. <laughs> that's just how he feels. But you, you guys, you think those guys don't look around the locker room and be like, "Yeah, this is this is going to be a long haul this season." And, yeah, and no one's no one's looking at Matt Roy and going, "Yep, <laughs> Willie Mitchell's back, guys." You know, like, yeah, not- and you know, Kopi especially being the captain. You know the GM has had extensive conversations with him. He's like, "Hey, buddy, like this is, you know, it's not going to be good. Like yeah. this is, this is our plan. You know, we're trying to get it here in, in X number of years. You think he's just going to park that during game time and and rah rah, you know, Curtis McDermott to to go yeah. out and win hockey? It's just, it, you know, they're professionals. I get it, but they're also people. So hopefully i i do have a feeling he'll soften up and you'll you know after a good effort where they lose where we think it was you know they should have done better he'll come out and be like you know i I liked what i saw today and right you'll be even more confused i don't know so that's my whole thing on him i still you know very early into the season so we'll wait and see how that goes i mean i'm kind of surprised that tofoli was the first one scratched i thought for sure it was going to be kempe but then, then of course, Kempe goes out and gets his first goal of the millennium. It's been so damn long. I don't remember the last one he got. but I, I think Kempe's still on healthy scratch watch because he's – No question. I'm just surprised he wasn't the first one. I'm surprised it was Toffoli. Well, I think, I think Todd has a bit of long-term vision and understands that I'm probably going to coach this player for a long yeah. time. That's fair. <laughs> Might as well go after the guy who you're gonna, who's likely not going to yeah. be here past February. I guess that's true. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, this is all pod speculation. That's right. Um, some positive news, baby. Let's let's sink our teeth <laughs> into the Gabe Velarde comeback tour of 2019. I'm all there. 
He is playing some kind of hockey. <laughs> He's doing skatey things <laughs> with hockey stuff. That's right. He has his hockey costume on and he's <laughs> burying rebounds in friggin' practice with the rain in his no contact jersey. Uh, and that is a significant update. But no, in all reality, I mean, all indications. Again, God, it's been so much of this with this player that I, I want to be almost tiptoeing around what I say here. Right. But progress, I'm going to just throw out buzzwords. <laughs> just a few buzzwords. Motion. <laughs> Motion, progress, positive. Data. Schedule. <laughs> These are the words I mean, you know. Oh, that's good. Healthy-ish. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Life. So, without <laughs> without being overly excited, it seems as though things are progressing well with Gabe Velarde. He is practicing with the rain. Like I said, no contact, which is great. Do not touch him. God damn it! I don't want any of you <laughs> laying a hand on him. Just let him play the goddamn perimeter and just fire a few wrist shots. Feel good about himself. Um, yeah, man. And the whole thing is just like, you know, people have asked me, like, why so excited and why so down? Like, why so excited when things are going well with him? Why so down when, like, he's on the mend? Because he's a game-changing type of prospect for your prospect yeah. pool that is already significantly stronger than 90 something percent of the nhl you 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 put him in with your kuparis uh with turcot with all these guys that are doing so well down at the rain and juniors kaliev lighting it up at with minimal resistance apparently he's just you know scoring at will down there if you add him and he's like no longer, let's say Turcotte's now your top center prospect, and, and Velarde slides down. Man, and that's such an embarrassment of riches if he can get back to what he was. And that's kind of yeah. what we're talking about. That's what excites us. Because you have to remember, you have to add to that another potential top five pick in the right. 2020 draft, which from all indications is a deep, deep draft. And when you're picking top five, it doesn't even really matter how deep the draft right. is. But you could bet the Kings are going to go for kind of those late first seconds again, just like they did last year with that Muzzin trade. If they can get snag another first, another second, all of a sudden you're looking at a prospect pool that is terrifying for other teams. And that's what we want. Yeah. And I think it's, this isn't player who by all indications, if he was healthy, he would be in the NHL right now. He would have had NHL games last season and he could have very reasonably made the team out of camp this season. The only reason those things have not happened is health, pure and simple. So when you look at, you know, prospect rankings and things like that, and everyone's got the, the Kings top two or three, if you look at the fine print, a lot of times it's without Gabe Velarde even being included because there was no concept whatsoever of when or if this guy was going to be back. So, he is a legitimate top two center. He's got the frame for it. He's got the skill for it. The only problem has been health up until this point. So, yeah, 
it's a little exciting when he shows signs of potentially being able to play again and play professionally and contribute and be on the Kings. Now, that's not to say this isn't going to be a problem for him career-wise. In fact, everyone has said it is going to be a problem career-wise for him, and it's going to have to be something that he maintains and works out and does physical therapy and ice baths and yoga or, you know, lighting incense or whatever the hell else he needs for the rest of his his career to stay in the lineup. But yeah, give me give me 40 games of this a year so I can actually see this dude play. I'm okay with that. It's it's those things that I think make us very excited like you mentioned. Yeah. He's on the cusp. He's he's these these are all guys that are like on the cusp. Sure, and you plug him into that rain lineup hopefully sometime this season and they all play together and and they build relationships together and they right. They win together, they have trials and tribulations, and they're going to come up to the pros, man, and they're going to be just ready to play for each other. And that's that's the whole idea, and that's why I didn't – I wasn't too thrilled when immediately we got the Grunstrom call-up. And uh, I think Luff is probably going to – was he – who was called up with Grunstrom? So I think someone came Perkorkin. up with him. Yes, there you go. Perkorkin came up. Perkorkin came up. Who's only had one game and been sitting for like – no, two games. Two, two games, games. Two games. He's two two games. games. And he's, he's showed some things, whatever. Nothing, you know, to bring you out of your scene or anything. But the point right. is like, you know, I've heard Luff's name now. Like he's next to come up. And that's fine if you're going to give these guys just a little taste to show them like, hey, we're not just going to keep you in the minors all season because, you know, we see you're producing and this is kind of mm-hmm. a little reward. I'm cool with all that, man. But just make sure – that you understand <laughs> that you got to send these guys down at some point because you got a monster team kind yeah. of brewing down there. And, and if Gabe can come in and play too, man, that is just good times all around for Ontario. And yeah, let them mature together down there. Let them slowly come up one at a time, two at a time, whatever the hell your yeah. long-term plan is and let, you know, start integrating them into the big club and it's going to become their team, you know, right. five, six years down the road, they're going to be the guys. So Hell yeah, it's exciting. Um, hell yeah, I want another top five pick. I want Alexis Lefrenier to come on, come on down. He'll be probably that would be nice. Number one overall. He is a winger. He is all kinds of flashy comparisons to Sidney Crosby, which is unfair. <laughs> I don't want to hear those. But there's a lot of good talent, man. And if if all goes to plan and Velarde's healthy and you snag another one. They're going to be the number one prospect pool in the NHL, I think, starting yeah. next season. So, full speed ahead, boys. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Vardy, let's take a Sir. look at the upcoming schedule Okay. for these Los Angeles Kings. Like we said, Chicago tonight, by the time you're listening to this, maybe it's over or it's going on. Um, and then they go through the Canadian, Eastern Canadian road trip. With Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal, and then back home for a little homestand. We used to predict what would happen mm-hmm. in these stretches. I don't think we do that anymore because it would it, be a dire prediction it, most times. Yeah, I mean, Toronto's not playing well. Chicago's not playing well. Ottawa's not playing well. Montreal, I'm not sure how how they're doing. To tell you the truth, I haven't been really probably keen. better than us. Well, Let's that's be fair. It. come on, you know. Everyone we play outside of, I think, one team is going to be playing better than us moving forward. Good news is we're playing that one team. We are playing that one team. Uh, They're probably going to get Lefrenier, but 
whatever. Um, That's fine. Is there anything you look forward to? I mean, it's hockey's hockey. We love the NHL. We're, we're fans of hockey first, Kings second. That's just the reality of it. Um, Toronto, I'm actually curious to see how we do against because they've had a ton of struggles this season. They've had problems yeah. up and down. Consistency issues, now injury issues. So I'm curious to see how we do in there because when a team rolls into Toronto, regardless of how crappy you are, there's a little something there. There you come in with a little bit of jam and you want to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you don't want to roll over. So I'm curious to see how they play in Toronto. Montreal, same thing. You know, there's no different yeah. there. And Ottawa maybe not so much. But <laughs> but currently Toronto's sitting at six, five, and three. Mm-hmm. Which is only a hair better than the six five and two Tampa Bay Lightning, baby. What is going on? Weird times. What is going on here? Montreal seven four and two, so they're doing pretty well, I guess. Yeah, okay. Domi's been having a decent season, I think. Yeah. Um. Uh. God, not Lindsay Lamy. I can't think right now. Sorry. Kotkaniemi. Sorry. It's okay. Wrong finish. Wrong finish, guy. It's not an easy name. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Drew Ann, they're, they love him up there. Yeah, because he's playing well. I, it's I, shocking I always, how that is. Yeah, I know. I, no, I, I always find it fun watching um, those teams because obviously we don't get to see too much of them. Um, <laughs> the hard part, of course, is that they're always 4 p.m. Pacific time games, and so I end up missing we both usually do, yeah. the first two periods. <laughs> yeah, we both do. So I have to kind of rely on Nick Nixon to paint a picture for me, which he does oh so well. But still, I like the visuals. Yeah. Um, I Honestly, like I'm just – I'm trying to see – incremental improvements like say for example if this is going to be the power play system that we employ forever for the next three seasons or however long mcclellan is the coach i want to see improvement there i want to see more movement i want to see progress the pk please i'm, I'm just <laughs> looking for anything to make me feel like okay these guys are getting because for the life of me i don't understand if this is not working why you wouldn't at least just go back to a regular box and see if you back have a little bit better results yeah just, just Peewee hockey. back Let's to basics it. yeah just, take some just lane, go boys. back to basics because if you look at a lot of these goals again they're they're off of cross-ice feeds they're off of motion and we've already talked about how um they haven't been you know the goaltending has not been there the way we wanted to rebound control in my opinion has been horrendous if you just watch quick's game sure and again i don't know if it's because they keep they get them moving a bit, but man, some of these shots, they're just like, they're shots from the point. They're shots that he should just be taking in the gut and holding on to, And it just doesn't happen. It, it ends up like coughing up a rebound and then your defense is not as capable. Can't clear it. At least the second and third opportunities. This is, it's just kind of, so, so those things, those minor things are kind of what I'm hoping to see cleaned up. I don't care necessarily if there's wins or losses like we talked about losses in the long term are probably better for us but you you know i always i always look at like michael blake mccurdy's uh graphs that they have that yeah. he's got yeah. you know the loose scrappy yeah we may win but i may die <laughs> like we're gradually moving over that um to that just like past the loose scrappy that just like this is pure hell kind of area <laughs> of that graph those are the types of things i'm 
trying to draw out of every game. I'm trying to just watch them individually because I'm going to watch them, right? Like win or lose, I'm not going to lie to myself and say like, you know, screw this team. I'm not going to watch them until they win. Come on. that's I'm lying to myself. I will watch. I will stew and be happy when they do well and be pissed when they do poorly. And then I'll just come right back for it because that's just what this is all about. Highs and lows. And right now we are in the lows. <laughs> deep, deep in the lows. Um, San Jose Sharks. I want to briefly touch on them because yeah. they are 4-9-1 and one currently. They're mm-hmm. on a four-game losing streak. And they after they had a four-game losing streak to start the season, I had them, I think, second in the Pacific. Yes. Yeah. Not looking good. Not looking good for them. And, and that's a... There's another situation where everyone's just calling everyone out and like, we're this and we suck. And right. that's probably not helping a veteran They're ready team like to, that. They're ready to burn Martin Jones at the stake. Um, you know, we've defended Martin Jones a lot on this show. But right now, he is a Swiss cheese. It is not working for him right now. So, And he has a tough contract to move should they decide to trade him. Mm-hmm. Not an easy contract to move for a goalie who can't stop a puck at the moment. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so they're kind of an interesting team to keep an eye on because I, I really thought they were going to have a pretty good season. Although, yes, they lost Joe Pavelski. I still felt they had enough up front. But Pavelski-Donskoy, man, that's tough. That's, that is tough to recover from. So they're kind of having trouble. On the other side of Ivardi, the New York Islanders – Winners of eight straight after starting the season one and three. Again, they're doing it again. I had them very low in the standings. Not very me. low. Not you. Nine, three, and oh. They're third in the Metro. And eight. they're getting good goaltending. They're getting good goaltending from Varlamov. With a platoon. No, they're, they're platooning pretty Oh, they're evenly. platooning it. Okay, but. Yeah, like. My thing was I thought Robin Lehner played out of his mind last season, and mm-hmm. I thought, like, that's a big reason why. I don't think I was wrong, but good for them. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know what else to say. Good for them. I don't really care about my predictions. Yeah, yeah. So good for them. And it helps, of course, when the Tampas and the Torontos are struggling right, mightily in the East. And Columbus obviously had a big drop-off. Philly's just Philly. Just filling along, man. Just yeah. very confused, trying to get things sorted out. Yeah, the, I don't know. Yeah, the Devils are horrible. You know what's an interesting team is St. Louis. They are. Because if you look at their goal differential, it is a zero. <laughs> they have scored 43 times. They have allowed 43 goals. And yet somehow they're 8-3-3. Three, and three. Yeah. I don't understand. One of the best teams in the NHL. Right. They're it's crazy. know how to win, I suppose. And they've won three in a row. So uh dallas dallas is slowly turning it around they've, they've been kind of tinkering with lines now pavelski's been with radulov and um god i can't remember his name the, the, the kid we talked about last week who was leading their team in scoring is it hints hints yes roop okay. roop or rupe um and that line the first night they put it together radulov had a hat trick yeah so starting to turn things around a little bit there no, they, they have five wins in their last six games so yeah that's good. Jamie Ben's still not doing a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, so if, when he wakes up from his slumber, yeah. he's going to be... God, his cryogenic sleep that he's in. Good times. Um, and then Colorado, man, they're getting hit hard with the injury bug right now. Uh, Both Landis can't, can't get hit any harder unless dude. number 29's out too, and then they're really screwed. And they've lost yeah. three straight 
as a result. I would right. say as a direct result of Ranton and Landis cock injuries. And the worst part is these are not small injuries. This isn't like, oh, maybe next game. Oh, no. There's like no timetable at all. They're just like Ranton and literally had his foot face the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. The video is excruciating to watch. Mm-hmm. Landis Cog, they're just like, maybe 2020? <laughs> no one really knows. No one knows. It's it's. I can't even imagine that. That's so terrible. Edmonton, as long as as long as their two big boys are are hanging in there, that team is going to keep a rolling. Right now, Drysaddle and and Connor McDavid are just fire and lightning <laughs> and just. <laughs> Doesn't matter who's in net. Yes, they're gonna outscore you because they have twenty-five. Well, Drysaddle has twenty-five points. McDavid has twenty-three, seventeen assists in fourteen games for Connor McDavid. James Neal still still lighting it up. Eleven goals in fourteen games. <laughs> There's a great Twitter account, which I don't know, maybe it existed before, but literally the Twitter handle is, I think it's uh, Lucic for Neal. <laughs> Okay. And all it's doing is keeping track from game to game the stats between Neil and <laughs> James Lucic. Neal and Lucic, and it is sad. Does, is Lucic on the board? I don't think he. I don't think Lucic has a goal yet. Right. That's yeah. what, that's kind of what I meant. Uh, checking yeah, yeah. checking on old Milan three assists in fifteen games. Super duper. Averaging twelve minutes of ice time a game. Oof. Just My God. Awful. That's – I feel bad for him. I like him. Yeah. We like him. He had a good we season do. for us. We do. But it's just like a lot of the players we like. <laughs> yeah. Like our team. The, the sun is a setting. Um, Anaheim, who I predicted would be worse than the Kings, are not in fact worse than the Kings. I would argue they're significantly better. They're only 9-6, and six, only being like they're only three games over 500. But – right. They're, they're but they win at home. They win, they at, win home. at home. That's what helps. They streak a lot. They, they're mm-hmm. on a two-gamer right now. It, it's not the John Gibson show. He's certainly helping. Don't get me wrong. But the last few games, it's been kind of a total team effort. I mean, they're scoring, man. That's the thing mm-hmm. that is kind of surprising to me is how how often and how regularly they light the lamp with that lineup. Yeah, it's and it's it's kind of dispersed cuz I, you know, I, I watch the highlights from time to time. I look at their stats. It's like one game Adam Henrique will have a hell of a game. Next time it's it's Silverberg. Next yeah, it's no, you know Getzlaff. Like if you look no one's no one's a point of game player. It's very evenly distributed right now. So it's I, I, I it's, don't it, it's like somehow boggles working. the mind. Yeah, it's somehow working it boggles for the mind. But here we are. Yeah. So Vardy, do you want to talk about some of the highlight reel-esque goals we've seen around the league Sure. this last week? We'll start off with Andrei Svechnikov and his lacrosse-style goal. I'm not a huge fan of this goal. I think, I think <laughs> You've I've, mentioned this. I've mentioned it on Twitter. Like, I don't, you know, the old, if you imagine a cartoon character with their eyes popping out of their skull in disbelief, I'm not that guy. Like, it, I, I respect the fact that a 20-year-old kid does it in the NHL. It's not easy. Yeah. He's the only one who's ever done it in the NHL. So I guess that's the Is selling really? point. Someone yeah. has that. No, no, one, no one else has succeeded in performing that move in the NHL. That's, I think, what – Wow. 
I, yeah. I, I'm really surprised. I could have sworn someone's done it. No. In fact, I saw I saw a video clip of all of the attempts, attempts at doing it in the NHL. And a couple of people have come close, mm. very close. But he's the only one. Mind you, he was the only one who no one touched in the attempt as well. All the other guys, it was kind of like pretty clear that they were going to go for this. And the defender was just like, no, nah, not on my watch kind of thing. But Sveshnikov was the one guy who was left all alone with time and space and did it. Well, not to take anything I, I, away from him. I truly did not know that an NHL player has not accomplished that. That is um, that in an is, NHL game, to my understanding, no. And obviously, I haven't watched every single NHL game, but that was, I think, that's why. Wow, that's pretty shocking. So, yeah, yeah more props to him then. Uh, my my dislike for it, I guess, is that it, it's it's a difficult move to do in the NHL at high speed. Um, I just don't. That's not the hockey that I like. That's not a truly beautiful play to me. It requires sure. – it's very individual, obviously. It's an individual individual skill play, and those are great. Those are fine. It's not against the defender, right? in my opinion. Yes, is it against the goalie? Fine. You could argue it's against the goalie. I don't want to say it's a hot dog move because it's not. I'm not Don Cherry. I'm not Brian Burke. I'm not going to yeah. be like, oh, you, you know, why don't you pass it to your teammate or some, you know, some <laughs> other crap like that. Why didn't anyone knock the kid off his block? Exactly. Yeah, don't care about that. It's just I'm not as impressed with it as other people are. What I am impressed with, Vardy, is Matthew Kachuk and his overtime winner against Anaheim. And just to show you that we're not total homers, oh, yes, no. we can be completely impressed by Matthew Kachuk. I would love to have that guy on my team. I don't care how, mu how much Dowdy punks him or his brother. I'll take them both. I'll take them both. I think they're. I would love to have him on the LA Kings. First yeah. of all, I would. I would love to have every single team hate us. Yeah. I would, I would like to have an all hate team. <laughs> that's fine. Perhaps we should do this one of these episodes and just come up with a full like six guys all hate team based <laughs> on active NHL players. Maybe that's Drew our Daddy, next, number one defenseman. <laughs> maybe that's our next list, Vardy. We I gotta, like it. We got to figure that out. Um, I like it. So yeah, uh, total respect for the player. Yes, he's he could be a weasel, but yeah, come on, Drew Doughty's a bit of a weasel too. Let's be oh, honest. Dude, here. if and you did not have Drew Doughty on your team. You would hate him. <laughs> yeah, and for that's who fine. he is as a person. We love him. We love him. So this goal, right. at first glance, you're like, "Oh, yeah, I've seen this before." But you, you truly appreciate what he did. Number one in slow motion, and number two, if you've attempted to play hockey in your life once, you appreciate how difficult this goal was. It was an overtime winner. That was a across the body between the legs one timer. I think you I'm could try describing to, it correctly. You are. It's 100% that. It's one, and, and mind you, he started the breakout, I think, on that play, like or the zone entry. He started the zone entry, passed it off to the guy who eventually gave him the – I don't know if it was Goudreau or who gave him the pass initially for the shot. Um, and I think the best part about this is that the more you watch the clip, the more you realize the split-second decision-making that goes into it. Oh, yeah. Watch because, it at full speed. It is astonishing. Right. He's he's coming in on his uh, right side wing. So he's a, he's a left-handed shooter coming in off of the left wing. And so he's not in a good position to do a one-timer in a natural, even not between his legs. Okay. Sure. His best shot is the guy passes the puck to him hard enough and he catch redirects and it. And, right. Exactly. Or, or catch, catch and shoot, and shoot or, yeah. he or he redirects it with a little oomph. Okay. Not easy to do. Definitely not easy to put top shelf with a defender on you. 
So he realizes the guy, the defender stepping up to him and is going to block his lane if he tries to do it regularly on his forehand. So his only move, if he's even going to attempt a shot, is to let the puck drift between his legs. He didn't move it between his legs. He never touches the puck before it gets behind him and puts enough on this shot to not only get behind the defenseman, but go top cheese on the goaltender. Yeah, it's not and the hardest shot. <laughs> like, let's be clear. It's- no, no. It's it's a incredibly difficult, but the shot itself does not carry much right. strength to Listen, it, shall we say. To shoot between the legs about 15 feet away from the net, Yeah, I man. don't care who you are. You're not getting a hard shot. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just the physics of it do not allow for a hard shot. Right. You're so, hoping to place it. That's right. basically it. That's so your shot. He got enough on it to put it in. You know, I'm not – I'm very careful with the history of hockey, but that's got to be – that's got to be like a top 15 goal of all Easy. time. Easily. Just based on difficulty, the fact that it was a winner, it, the fact that no one has ever done it before, it's just yeah. – it has to be one of the 15 best goals I've seen. And I could think of some great ones, obviously. Um, the Ovechkin uh, – <laughs> That will forever and always be <laughs> the, the most impressive goal I have ever seen. Spin cycle is yeah. is probably the best goal of all time. It's pure athleticism combined with luck, but still, yeah, you can't duplicate it. You can't do it twice. It's it's just it's, not possible. I think when you consider the fact that Alex Ovechkin had to be the guy to pull that off, I think that just shows you how improbable and difficult it is to do something like that. Right. Right. Agreed. It's not some rando player doing it. It's the dude whose whose sole purpose on this planet is to put a puck in a net. Yeah. Who's doing that. And you could, you know, you could look at other ones. Um, that Lemieux goal against Minnesota in the 91 yeah. Cup finals where he just <laughs> he just shreds the entire north. Yeah. That's got to be on there. Uh, you could argue Gretzky's that baseball goal he had with the Kings. You know, some would argue it's there. Pavel Bure has just a ton of beauties. Anyway, the point being, it's it belongs in that conversation because totally. it is so difficult. It is so impressive. And we just spent like 10 minutes gushing about our mortal enemy. But it's amazing that we're in this era of hockey right now where not only do guys try this on – I mean that, that's like the third between the legs goal we've seen. Sonny Milano had one just like two weeks ago. And that was and- a beauty, by the way, because it's not just the finish. It's right. it's what he did to to get open because he right. deked some guy straight out of the right. building before that right. too. So that's yeah, that's a beauty goal too. And right. then there was another crazy goal this year. Dude, Crosby had one. Crosby had one the other day. Oh, yeah. that the blew my mind. <laughs> Holy crap! Like bats a puck midair, backhand to get around the guy, and then like holds on to it. I mean, these aren't just mind you when when Merrick Malik. Years and years ago, <laughs> went between the legs in the 16th round of the shootout. The hockey world every... melted down. Exactly. <laughs> and this was a 17th round shootout goal by a dude who'd probably never even attempted that in his life. Right. Okay? Right. We're seeing this stuff in regular season, in yeah. actual games, in overtime. Like, come on. So it's a beautiful time to be alive. It, the goal I'm talking about was Blake Coleman against Winnipeg. He takes I a puck. I, please pull this up. Okay. Uh, as you're just, describing it, I'll pull it. Just put Blake Coleman goal of the year. Okay. And it will it will come up. Fair. It's it's essentially a lob 
from Subban to the neutralize, and he beats the defender. Get gets the puck. Oh, I the, did see yeah. this. The one handed. The one handed. Holy crap! That's man. a great goal. Like that's, that is because it's a one handed wrister while a guy yeah, is essentially bear hugging yeah. you, and he goes glove side eye. Right. Which is crazy. This isn't. This isn't like oh, it snuck between the pads. No, it no, like no, it had some heft no. to it too. Yeah. It had some snap on that shot. Like to me, this. I think Kachuk's going to have the goal of the year. Yeah, I think it's done. Like, I don't think, what are you going to do to top that? But to me, this is like as close as you're going to get to to edging that one out. Because it's right. just impossible. It's almost impossible. Yeah. I think you definitely get more points for difficulty and for having to beat a defender. Those mm-hmm. those things like yeah, maybe a breakaway, you know, it doesn't impress me anymore. Because I right. figure in 90% of the league can do something like that. But to do it with a defender on you, sure. falling to the ice, like, come on. Yeah. That's, that's a- that was a beauty goal. So yeah, yeah, some real high skill plays going on, plays that like you to your Malik point that years ago would have probably been like ripping your hair out, like complete water cooler conversation. The next yeah. day is just like regular stuff now. Yeah, it'd be the type basic... of thing that like my mom would come up to me and be like, "I saw this hockey goal once." Yeah. I'm like, "What are you even talking about?" <laughs> there was this hockey thing on the team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's a good time. What we're trying to say is, even though you're not enjoying your Los Angeles Kings right now, there's plenty around the league right. to enjoy because we are still a part of this beautiful sport known as hockey. And and the best players in the world every day, maybe not directly in front of you, but they're putting on a show somewhere. Yeah. So I would I would never suggest this in any other capacity, but hockey's the one capacity where I would suggest people have a mistress. Yeah. Have yourself a mistress team. That's right. Have someone who you're we secretly ashamed of watching, but at the same time when old faithful lets you down <laughs> yeah uh is yours still carolina Vardy? man it's i don't know dude i i was thinking about this the other day because i i was a huge for the longest time i was a big minnesota fan because sure. driver was on that team and then sure. they came around i really enjoyed watching the capitals and i just i just love the energy of that team quite a bit um and it helps that they're good obviously but they are like it's rolling dude <laughs> but it's just so, but I just I love I love Ovechkin as a player and as yeah, a person sure. so much. And even as he's gotten older, like he, they had this whole thing where uh, he, they were playing Toronto and, and they interviewed him and they kind of like asked him what advice he would have for the young guys in Toronto who you know they're making the playoffs, they're losing, they're making the playoffs, they're losing. And he outright was just like, they should get Dale Hunter to coach them and teach them how to play defense and tra- teach them how to play two-way hockey like he didn't say it quite like that but that's what he meant and i was like this is arguably the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game right straight up coming out and saying stuff like that you know and by the way toronto media was ablaze the next day because he said like they need to learn how to play for the team and not for themselves dude and toronto media was like I don't like it when, you know, these guys talk about other teams, like stick to your own. Dude, this guy's telling right. you this because he went through it himself. Right. He was all yeah. about himself. Exactly. And until he changed, he could not win. That is that is the kind of clout that only a Stanley Cup ring gets you. Sure. So And it's but that's that's part of me. I think and a lot of times I think this is kind of what drives Mistress Team stuff. You know, obviously your love of the Penguins yes. is driven by Crosby being an all-universe well, athlete. It's Mine goes way back to Mario Lemieux. It like, does, but okay, it helps when they've had multiple all-universe yeah, athletes. Had, they've had five Mario Lemieux. So right, like, <laughs> exactly. Let's be fair. Um, but 
as impressive as it is to watch Ovechkin, I just I find him to be such like a a fun human being in other capacities right. that that makes me enjoy watching the Capitals as well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, so, my, mine is Pittsburgh, obviously, as far yeah. as just spoils yeah. for everybody. Sorry, it's all I good. It's pretty common knowledge to anyone, I think, at this point who's been listening to us well enough. Probably so, but yeah. So yeah. so anyway. All right. All right. Well, I think it's about that time, buddy. Is it that We're time? Getting because into it's, this. it's it's it forty eight. It's 48 it episodes. We're so, we're so close to episode L. That's episode, right. Roman numeral L. That's right. Most we, random we Roman numeral. We would have probably be past 100 if we did once a week by now, easily. So. Oh, easily. Easily. But, yeah. like, honestly, how often do you need us to tell you that they suck? Maybe when they're doing <laughs> – maybe when they're, like, doing the type of thing that, like, once a week you really need us to jump in here and be like, guys, you won't believe how this week went. Yeah. Guys, we could do this once a month and you would know exactly what we're going to talk about. <laughs> you don't need it once a week, okay? We're but, sparing you. But tune in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we love it when you do. That's but, right. You know, there's there's 95 podcasts out there now that are doing the same thing every three days. Like, do you really need that? Yeah. Come on. But I know so anyway, our audience loves our brand of potting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, it's episode 48. If I remember correctly, you told me there's three there's only three there's only there's three, only three. there's well, only three and am, two of them go I'm, for it i think i have two of them in the bag okay you easily should uh andre loktyanov bingo 2010 to 2012 what could have been a dude who yeah was along that era of the michael camillaries of the world like this is the guy this is <laughs> it's gonna be a fixture that's right the next igor larianov yeah. Oh, there he is. Nope. No, sir. Not even close. <laughs> not even in the same hemisphere. No. Igor no not at all. Uh, Although he did have a decent little run with New Jersey, if I remember correctly. It, it was, no, he was, not, he was not doing good. Yeah, I think he had good numbers in the K. I think yeah. that's as, as the And then he, he went to Carolina for a little bit. Yeah. had 10 points in 20 games. And then we PTO'd him, baby. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> How can you forget <laughs> that yeah. PTO? Uh, okay, next guy I have is Peter Kanko. You sure do, buddy. How can I forget the Kanko sword? Kank the tank. Kank the tank. Yes, his nickname for us internally was the Kanko sword. <laughs> More uh, apropos, I would say, to yeah. his play. I remember his face very clearly. I remember his – how many games did he play? I'm very curious about this. It feels like way more than this because I feel like his name was just – God, all the always there because of how long he was in Manchester. Yeah. Um, but whopping ten NHL games. Wow. And yeah. Crazy how he was the one first one goal. He was the first one I remembered. Yeah. It's, He's got it's one funny. goal, so he does have an NHL goal puck on his mantle and somewhere. It's a great time to call it a career, right there. That's right. Okay, so we got the two. Kankle mantle's got a got a goal. <laughs> so we got two percentage wise, probably my best outing. If you're just talking about That's straight Hall percentage. of Fame numbers if you're playing baseball, buddy. There you go. Um, let's get some info on this mysterious third man. Okay. Um, 1999 oh, was when he played. So not that far. So not that long ago. Um, not a goaltender. Okay. 99. Okay. 99. It did not play an insignificant number of games. Can we? But perhaps it'll tell you um, – 98-99 was when he played. He had 107 penalty minutes in 98-99 in case you're wondering what kind of a role. In how many games? 
28. Oh, okay, so this guy's serious. This guy's not messing around. This man is here for keeps. Okay, so he's he he was a he was a pounder. Obviously, he pumped some guys. Um, six six two hundred and twenty two pounds. Really, a giant. Interesting. Uh, a a twentieth century Curtis McDermott, if you will. And he this is the only season he played for the Kings. Correct. Not his only NHL season. He actually right. played in ninety three ninety four, and then a big hiatus until ninety eight ninety nine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm I'm struggling to pull the name of this plug out from my I I can't struggling to pull the plug. So yeah, I am going to pull the plug on this and ironically, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you. I you I've hold never on, heard hold on. of this guy. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go initials. That's okay. like the final lifeline. Okay. M V. Definitely no P at the end of that. Oh. Just M V. Oh, hold on. Are you getting something? I'm I'm getting uh, it's tingling. <laughs> just tell me, hold on. Your spider tingle. I'm gonna just give you the last name. Like, what are they? Okay. Vishano. Ooh. Oh. No. You're you're ridiculously close. <laughs> it's something like that. It is. It's Visho. Oh, Visho. That's right. I said Vishno. Why? Probably Viznowski. Yes. Anyway. You, you, you combined with Visho. Cousineau right, probably. Right, right, right. <laughs> you made some that's amalgamation right. between Cousineau, this man and Marcel Cousineau. That's the guy I messed up. <laughs> Which is some sort of a hockey Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> that's who it, please tell me it's Hockey Frankenstein's episode today. <laughs> please. <laughs> I was going to give it to Kanko, but Hockey Frankenstein. <laughs> it's too good. Yeah, it's too I mean, good of a nickname. There you go, Hockey Frankenstein, oh, six foot six. So, Mark Vichino, Vichio, not Marcel yeah. Cousineau. Mark Vichio, Mark Vichio, Mark Vichio. Right. All right. Well, the Hockey initials help, man. <laughs> initials they help do. a lot. They do. If if he's not going by Hockey Frankenstein at this point, at the age of forty six. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Oh man! I highly, he's six six and two twenty two. Yeah, he's, a he's big hockey man. Frankenstein. Yeah, he's hockey Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> That's right. Because Frankenstein. Let's be, let's be technical doctor. about it. That's right. Because Frankenstein. Yes. Yeah, man. So forty nine is next. We are mm-hmm. s- slowly approaching fifty, which which is going to be cool. It's going to be a cool little milestone. I think we'll wax poetic. Maybe look back at some of the finer our, fa- our, favorites. <laughs> our favorites. Our favorites. Maybe like. Uh, Pull up the old track list and see which ones we truly liked and which ones we That's had right. a lot of fun with. We have fun with all of them, guys. Make no mistake about yep. that. But it'll be it'll be nice to get there. It'll be a nice little moment for the Batterman and our listeners. I am absolutely shocked we're getting there. I'm not going to lie. When we started doing this, I thought we would go maybe five episodes. Wow. Honestly, not not because we wouldn't be into it, but just because like I'm, I'm a little time upset. commitment. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk offline. Five, about five. I just ten. Fine. My point is, like, I thought time commitment. Now, now we're going three seasons. I can't live my life without this pod. Is what I'm saying, and I'm pretty sure all our fans are saying that too. Five, Vardy. <laughs> is what you're sorry, man. Five. Sorry, because uh, I was it's not I was you, like, babe. It's me. It's I, me, baby. I had, it's me. I had dreams of like our 500th episode and like. We're old and right. gray by then, but because right. of our Press going at this, you, me, at this and pace. Kopi, like, hanging together poolside, reminiscing. Yeah. 
maybe it'll still happen. Maybe it'll still happen. At this pace, we would, you know, take us what yeah. thirty years <laughs> to get to. I got nothing but time, man. God knows I'm going to be watching this team when I'm old and gray. Maybe we'll have our press credentials by then. That'd be nice. Probably not. Boy can dream. We don't need it. We don't need it. If it happens, great. (laughs) We don't need it. We're still going to do this. No matter what. Press credentials be damned. But yeah, that'd be sweet. If we can get those. Just kind of do like a post game right in the press box. With all the tw- I'm, I'm, 25 other yeah, podcasts. Yeah, it's kind of like the secret. I'm just putting it out in the universe. That's and I'm fine. hoping the universe like magically sends me press credentials at some point. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, as always, for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast everywhere, anywhere, all them places. Uh, <laughs> send us an email. Bannermanpod at gmail.com. We've been getting a couple of those. We enjoy it. Um, yeah. Keep them coming. Leave us a review on the Apple podcast system. We, we love reading them. We love getting them. We need more of them. I think that's the underlying thing here. More reviews, please. Yeah. Because that'll only help us climb any kind of ranking that Apple has, podcasts have, and it'll make us better. And that's kind of our goal. Just get better. Have fun with it. Make it fun for you guys. That's the, mo- that's the number one point. Episode yeah. 49 is next. I can't wait for if the number. If we get press credentials, that means we can talk to players on this thing about kooky things, guys. It'll be hilarious. Can't wait. Maybe we'll get Peter King. Maybe we'll get Hockey Frankenstein on here. (laughs) Can't wait for the Hockey Frankenstein episode. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.